Uh, mention is that I come to you a little bit early. Uh, whenever you get asked to speak, and by the way, Carrie and Church, thank you very much for uh, inviting me here today. But when you get asked to speak on a topic in front of you know, a, a congregation, you can guarantee that that topic is going to be like hot in your life. You know what I'm saying? Like if you get invited to speak on spiritual warfare, if you ever get, this is a freebie, by the way, if you get asked to speak on that topic, you can bet the enemy is going to hammer you all week, right? Uh, you get asked to speak on marriage, okay? Uh, I can guarantee you, you will fight with your wife or your husband all week long. If you get asked to speak on parenting, your kids will look like animals. They'll act like animals for days leading up to you actually going and speaking. For me, this uh, sort of revised or new, Terry really wanted me to focus on the new, which is great, because that's again kind of my story the last couple of years. I just got to tell you, I am, I am neck deep, neck deep in this thing. And so I come to you a little bit, not troubled, but certainly this is heavy on my heart. So I'll just bear with me here today. So let's talk about this, renewal. Why in the world would somebody need renewal? And I came up with kind of two major themes as to why somebody would need renewal. The first one seems to me kind of fairly obvious, that um, someone would need renewal because they're maybe in a dark period. You know, like they're going through a period of depression, a very dark season. Somebody who has um, maybe come out of the divorce. Somebody who's been incarcerated, been dealing with the law, and they just need renewal. Uh, that to me is pretty obvious. The second reason to me is probably a little bit more maybe obscure, but I think it was a concept that Moses, like Moses had this one done. Okay? But I believe it was in Exodus 33, and by the way, I'm not a biblical scholar, so don't start opening your Bibles and saying, well, that's not, that's not in there. I don't know. If someone has to okay. this is all I really, this is this isn't my forte up here, okay? Very, I believe it's that God is speaking to Moses. And he wants to bring him into the promise land, right? And he's like, I'm going to take you into the land of milk and honey. I am gonna send with you an angel. I am gonna make sure that your enemies don't touch you. But remember the but? But I'm not going to go with you. And what did Moses say? Moses was like, no deal. I ain't doing it. I love the promises. I love the promise of the promised land. But if you're not going to go with me, then I'm not. Then no deal. We need the presence of you with us as we go to the promised land. And for me, that is a much more obscure but definite need of renewal. It's when we go throughout life without God's presence. He needs to renew us. There's a time where like, he needs to hit, like, okay, we got to stop right here and like do something different. Because that's, like that's, like, that's like the play repeat of God's people in the Old Testament, right? Like, he brings them back, right? They love God again. Everything breaks, right? They start walking away, they start making statues, they start bowing down to statues and idols. God's got to bring them back. Let's do something bad. They 
renew their faith, then they start making idols again, play or repeat, play or repeat, play or repeat, right? That would be another obscure way. And that's, that's one thing that, like, we do. And that's definitely my story. In a nutshell of me doing television, that's me in a nutshell. I got so good at living life and leaving his presence behind. Anybody else done that? Or you just start, you just start kind of getting good at life. You know, things are kind of clicking. They're kind of clicking. Don't really need his help. Don't really need his presence. Yeah, we're still Christians. Yeah, we're still saved. But we're just kind of getting good at life. Our prayer life starts to dry up just a little bit. Don't really need to rely on his faithfulness every day. I kind of got this, right? Here's another freebie. I got a couple of freebies. Okay? If you're a guy, if you're a guy, and you're kind of a motivated, driven, competitive guy, I think I, I, think, I, I, mean, I kind of fit that mold, and you're a Christian, and you start experiencing a little success in your life, very, very slippery slope. Very slippery slope. Because for me, as I started to see success in my career, it became so easy for me to put on my face, go to church, have a great marriage, right? And just kind of do my thing, and slowly but surely, I start walking away from the presence of the Lord. And I started putting idols on the throne of my life. My career, my success, my identity, my identity was so huge to me when I looked at TV. And I think there was a time where God needed to say, you know what? I can't, I, I can't do this anymore. I love you too much to watch you go down this path any longer. Was I still saved while I was looking at Carolina? Absolutely. But was I walking further away from the presence of the Lord? Absolutely. If you really want to make an impact on God's hands, because that's not why we're here, right? I mean, is that not? Like, if, I, if you boil it down, you can kind of say these two things. Like, life is about this. Life is that you, un- you know the Lord. You, know, you get to know Him and you become saved, right? And then secondly, is that you draw closer to Him. You draw closer to Him throughout the rest of your life on earth. You do everything you can to impact His kingdom and impact other people in this world, right? Right? So, if you're walking away from the presence, how in the world are you supposed to do that? How are you supposed to do that? A year ago, I started listening to Francis Chan. By the way, if you've never listened to Francis Chan, I highly recommend it. I was listening to his sermon. It was the very first time I listened to this guy. I was going for a run. I listened to one of his podcasts. And he starts talking about how he's starting to see all these 30-something couples, which is me. He's like, they're useless to the kingdom. He's the word useless. I was like, you just, you just, you just nailed it. You just pinned it. I was like, exactly. For that, for that 30-something couple, living the, living in the promised land, by the way, like in the TV biz, Carol Evan is the promised land. Living in the promised land, walking further away from the presence of the Lord, becoming more and more useless to the kingdom. And God said, you know what? I can't deal with this anymore. And so he needed to renew that in me. I have no thinking clue what the next two years are going to look like to bring it up to this point. But it has been a heck of a process, and that's why I say I've been like neck deep, neck deep in this thing. A little background on me. I grew up in Montevideo. I graduated in 1997, so I'm calling my 20-year which is mind-boggling to me. I spent most of my upbringing across the street, most of the other place, raised by my mother. And so it was really, really nostalgic and cool for me to come back uh, to Montevideo. In fact, uh, I wasn't a Christian growing up. I was not raised in a Christian household, but I remember popping over to this church every once in a while, just 
on Easter and stuff like that. So thank you for always being there for me. I really appreciate that. Uh, as I left the college, went to Ridgewater uh, College, I knew I wanted to study weather. I think I always had this deep fascination for weather. I think that goes back to going up in a trail home because every time the wind blows, you think you're going to die. <laughs> Big storm, little storm, like you're, you're going to die. Like that's what I thought. It's just good. You start, you know, I, I can see the sky is getting dark to the west. I know storms move from west to east. That thing, you're going to die. You need to get out of here. So I had this like, deep fascination to weather, went to Ridgewater, played basketball, fairs, took general, walked down at the University of North Dakota, uh, made the team play basketball there as well. Uh, beginning of my senior year, uh, a, a teammate of mine out of the year started a Bible study. And I can, I can tell you, I can remember after practice being up on the, on the marker board, uh, Bible study, my place, for And I started asking my students, and I said, you were going to Bible study? And a lot of the teams were, I was like, oh. And I'm just a follower in life. And I was like, see, that was the first Bible study too. Like, not even, I'm not seeking God at all. I was like, why am I here? Who is God? Why was I created? I wasn't having those thoughts at all. I go to this Bible study that night. True story, we talk about what it is to be a Christian. I'm almost, I'm 22 years old at the time. And I remember uh, having this conversation and, and thinking, like, well, a Christian is just you, you're the person who believes in God, right? Isn't that like what you do? You, you, you die and you go to heaven. That's right. And uh, they start talking about you know, believing in Christ and seeking Him as your Lord and Savior. Totally just blown away. Like, I had probably heard that in my life, but it was like I was hearing it for the very first time. And then went through this process. I, I don't know the exact moment I was saying, but sometimes during the fall of my senior year, I was just like, this is awesome. And I became a sinner. I was waiting for Wednesday night. I was talking with this law of my movements and stuff, and this is so cool. And then I became the guy by that spring after the basketball season was done. I was getting invited to share my testimony. I didn't even know what testimony meant. You know, they're like, can you come share your testimony? And I'm like, why am I on trial? And so I was just on fire for the Lord, right? And then uh, I, I took an internship right after my senior year uh, at KDJR TV in Duluth, right down in Harbor, now Park. You go up to Duluth, there's a TV station right down by Grandma's, right on Lake Street. Took an internship there, and I saw my first news talk, and I was like, you talk for three minutes, and they're going to pay you. I want to do this job. Great. By the way, here's another freebie. Uh, if you have no marketable skills like me, you could be a meteorologist. Because that's really all I can do is just talk. If you can just talk and do nothing else, if you could be on TV. That's why they have jobs like that for guys like me. And this is all I can do. And I'm like, I can do this. This is going to be awesome. So I made this horrible resume tape. And I got my first job at KDLT TV in Sioux Falls, South Dakota in 2002. A small station. And we didn't even have a live stuff at the time, and um, I, I, I think I have one now, but I, I can remember, like, during big weather events, you always want to send the weather guy outside, and um, so we didn't have a live stuff, so we used to speak, we used to bring a lot, we used to bring a cable from the newsroom all the way down the hall out the back door, and then I would be like, yeah, we're live, it's too far, back to you. And my buddies would go email me and call me. They're like, you're not live. And she calls me. You're in the parking lot. I can see your car in the background. <laughs> While in Sioux Falls, spent five years there, uh, just had a very great experience. Met my wife there. And uh, South Dakota is kind of nostalgic for me. My dad lived in Colorado when I was growing up. So every summer he would pick me up uh, in my video. And then we would like camp through South Dakota and Wyoming. So, I have this connection with South Dakota. 
even when we got called to go to Phoenix, we went from Sioux Falls to Phoenix, freshly married, brand new couple, now we live in Phoenix, big market. And if you know my financial story, that's when we got introduced to Dave Ramsey, got out of debt, started saving, could do anything. We were dinks, double income, no kids, okay? That's what that means. We could do anything. Everybody's going to Vegas, San Diego, LA on the weekends, flag stuff. We would find uh, two centers of South Dakota Falls. We just loved going back to South Dakota. Our friends were there. A lot of our family was still there. We just felt at home with South Dakota. There was something about it. Spent three years in Phoenix, went to Sarah in 2010, and the story from there is just like, boom, I got promoted to weekends, and my career just started absolutely taking off. Started taking off. And if you know my story, in June 2014, at the end of one of my contacts, without another job, with a wife who was pregnant with a third baby, I went to my boss's office and I was done. I had nowhere else to go. I didn't know what we wanted to do, but my wife and I knew we were going to go back to Sioux Falls. We were going back. I put in my resignation. I put in my two notice. I'm leaving my career with an absolute fire. It's the promise on TV to go back to South Dakota. And that was the beginning. Looking back, that was the beginning of God's renewal. And my first point is this. You need to be in tune to God's law. You need to absolutely be honed in on what the Holy Spirit is trying to draw you into. What is He trying to draw you into? That's a one-way street. It's Him saying something to you like this. It's a draw. We all know that God draws us. The most important draw comes from John uh, 6.33. John 6.33 is, No one comes to me unless the Father who sent me draws them in and I raise them up on the last day. The greatest picture of renewal is the draw of the Holy Spirit, of a non-believer. Because if you're a believer in here today, the only reason you're a believer is because the Holy Spirit is really into that, right? Like, we can't find Him. He finds us, right? Because He draws us in. That's like the biggest picture I can paint of God drawing us in. But He draws us in another way. He draws us in for other reasons. And for me, He drew me in because He didn't do a renewal in me. It was funny because after I, uh, after I shared this story, um, I, I had talked with uh, Carrie not long after we moved to Wilmer. By the way, uh, we left Carol Evans to go to South Dakota and now live in Wilmer. We joked because we got like halfway. Like, we only arrived halfway. Shortly after my wife and I moved to Wilmer, I had a conversation with Carrie reconnected with him and told him kind of the story how this all came about. If you used the word in type, I don't know if you remember that word. here. Do you remember that conversation? Okay. <laughs> And that's okay. But he said something to the effect that he goes, it's kind of like God's intent. Like, not like, not like trying to just drag you along with a puppy on a string, like a carrot on a string. But it's like, what's that thing? What's that thing that he's going into? Because here's the thing. God knew me. His plan was to get me out of TV, do a renewal in me, and for that to happen, he had to send me to Wilmer. Had he told me that while I was here 11? You know what I would have said? No! No! No offense! Okay, by the way, no offense to everybody living in this area, no offense to my employer, no offense to the people in this community. If God had told me, you know what, I need to get you out of TV, send you to Wilmer so I can do a renewal on you, I would have said, like, thanks for nothing. I think I'll just stay. Right? 
He needed to use that draw of self-defense. There's a draw on the heart of self-defense. He was the only one I can get you out of there. So I can do a work on you and you but to entice you and drag you with that lure of self-defense. So the question to you is this. What season is God drawing you into? Is this season that God is currently drawing you into? Is God drawing you into an area of renewal? Is there something He's placing on your heart, an entice or a draw, that He can feel from doing this, if you're to be honest? The South Dakota draw was just very apparent. It was so strong for me. But for you, it might be something like, is He drawing you out of sin? Is He drawing you out of a relationship? Is He drawing you out of in the blank. What is he drawing you out of? Because that's where it begins. That's the great part. That's the great part. When I was leaving Carolina, if I was back, and I was back to that season of leading up to me actually leaving, I was blissfully ignorant as to what was actually coming. In fact, I think what really blew people's minds is how positive I was about the situation. Because people are like, you're leaving Carolina. I'm like, yeah! Like, where are you going to go? South Dakota! They're like, Why? And they're like, what state are you going to look for? I don't know, I don't have a job. And they're like, what? They're like, well, you're, clearly your wife must work. What does she do? Nothing. She was saying, hold on. Actually, she does a lot. Okay? If you're going to listen to this on the podcast, she does a lot. Okay? She just doesn't work for income, right? Oh, no, she doesn't work. She's a stay mom, and she's pregnant with her third kid. Sounds insane. I know. I know. It's going to be great. And the fact that I was leaving in that manner shocked people. And I'm like, looking back, I'm like, well, no wonder. I just smile on my face from ear to ear. This is great. Why? Because I had that draw. I knew the Lord was this. That's the good news. When God draws you, great. Here's the bad news. Here's point number two. You might be heading into the wilderness. That thing that he's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. What you might be heading into might be the wilderness. I don't mean this in a derogatory sense, but if I can look back at the last two years since leaving Pit 11 and my stint with Wilmer and everything that's gone on, I can come up with one word. Wilderness. 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 Spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, probably one of the most difficult times I've gone through. It's been wonderful, Wonderful in so many respects. It's been horrible in so many respects. That's what the wilderness is. That's what the wilderness is. Right after we, uh, <laughs> right after we uh, left Carolina, sold our house, don't have a job, didn't have a job yet in Sioux Falls, so where do we go? In-laws. 34 years old with a pregnant wife. Let's move in with the parents. By the way, they live in Winnipeg, Minnesota. We did. We did. That's great. Why? It's because I was still riding the wave of emotion and pride and ego from Carolina. I still had people for months saying, I can't believe you left. Gosh, I miss you. I'm like, I was pretty great. Which sounds so arrogant, but that was my thought. If I didn't put it in with you, that's what got me through that period. That's what got me through that period. So I'm unemployed, sitting in Winnebago, Minnesota, with my in-laws, with a pregnant wife, unemployed. 
and it was great for about three months. And then about the four-month mark started, and the email started to slow down, and I started to have to look myself in the mirror, and my pride and my ego and my lack of God's presence in my life started to actually start to manifest. You know what I mean? Like, I had to like, look at myself. I'm like, oh, boy. And I could feel the pain. I could just, it almost like brought a pain in my chest. I could feel the pain in my ego and my pride. It was too much to get. About that time, I cannot buy an interview with Super Bowl Pass. Okay? I have spent the last two years. Out of all the people I know, I'm like, this will take a month now. I know tons of people. They're going to be knocking down my door to hire me. Right? The harder I tried, I could not get even an interview with Super Bowl Pass. Okay? About that four months mark, I get two job offers from Wilmer over the email. Not one. Two. God knew he had to give me two. Because if I had just gotten one, I'd have been like, yeah, nothing. But I got two within four days. And I sat down with my wife and I was like, I think we need to pay attention to this. How in the world? What, what, what are the coincidences that I would get two job offers over email within four days from one town? It's like throwing a dart and two. Long story short, we end up taking one of the job opportunities and turn the other one down. So now we've got to move. Let's move, right? So we go all like, yes, buy a house. Buy the biggest house you could possibly get. The big, because the biggest house in and out by the lake, along with all the taxes, right? We want a big, huge payment. We, get, we need all the space, right? We're having a third kid coming, right? So we go by this huge house up by the lake, right? We move in on December 1st of 2014. It's 26-4-0. I hate winter, by the way. And moving. And we get into this house. We break every rule in the book. Ask to be financial coaching. Okay, I, I teach people principles on how to handle their money. I broke every rule in the book buying this house. We bought the house the very first day that my wife and I woke up in that house. That's my first words to her were this. What in the world did we do? What did we do? You know what I mean? Like six months ago, I'm, I'm living a high life. I care about it and now like, okay, we're moving to Wilma. We bought this house. By the way, my employer, he's in the middle of building a new office building. And until that new office building is completed, I have nowhere to go to work. So he's only paying me a part-time salary. I'm on part-time salary, have a huge mortgage payment, got a third kid coming, I have this huge ego and pride issue that I'm dealing with, right? Two months later, baby comes. Love this girl. She's now 18 months old. Okay? Love her to death. But she did not start sleeping through the night until three and a half months ago. Okay? She was a very difficult baby. She was very needy. Right? So I've got a needy baby in the brand new baby in the heart of winter in the huge house I'm making part-time money, my identity is gone, I'm not in South Dakota, I'm in Wilmer, sorry. What in the world is going on? Do you know what that did to me? By that next spring, do you know where I was figuratively and spiritually? I was on my knees. It there is literally, and I, I joke, and, and it's not really a joke, there is a section of carpet in that house right now that is worn down more than the others. Because I didn't know what to do. I'd wake up, I had nowhere to go to work. I couldn't go to work because this office building wasn't done. Right? And I wake it up, and I was like, what? What are you doing? And I've never had a nervous breakdown before, but oh, no. And all the doubts start to come out, and all the insecurities, and they're second guessing every decision. And, oh, my God, and for kids not sleeping, 
It absolutely 100% put me on my knees. I have no identity. But here's the best part about this. And this is my third point. The wilderness, the area of the wilderness, will lead to refinement. And refinement is what leads to renewal. You have to, not have to, so many times for us to get it, God has to put you in the wilderness. Because in the wilderness is where you're refined. And when you're refined, that's where you're renewed. Long story short, <laughs> I'll say that a lot here. Long story short, we ended up selling that house. It sold in eight days. I'm like, let's put the thing on the market. You don't like the house. It's an unsellable house. It sells in six months. We call it golden. It sold in a week. I was like, okay, got it. Sold that house, put our stuff in storage. We'll just do a quick turn until we can find another house. That didn't happen. Back to Winnebago! For a second time, two stories, two stories. Now I'm 35 years old, moving back to Winnebago for the second time. Living with my in-laws, the stuff is in storage. I'm now commuting from Winnebago to Wilmer four days a week. And trust me, in that time, I've had a lot of time to think about all the mistakes I made. What in the heck am I doing? I left here 11 so I could be around my family more, and now I'm staying the Bible in four days a week. I'm sleeping on people's couches every other week. I had to find a new place to stay. Put me on my knees more and more and more. We, <laughs> at one point, I, I just got sick of that. This is true story. One week, I, I had nowhere to stay. I slept on the floor of my office. I slept on the floor of my office for one week, and I had looked at a house to buy the previous week that I didn't even like. I'm on my way to the Twin Cities to speak at a 4-H convention. I'm getting to, like, the, the Hutchinson area, and I'm starting to think, I'm like, you know what, that house that we don't even like, who cares? It'll work. We'll get Emily, my wife, up here on Monday when I come to Rack of Wilmer. She'll look at the house and put an offer in, try to do a quick close and end this madness and get a lot back on track. True story. A half hour later, I get, a, I get a, an email on my phone, okay? I hit your message. I look at it while driving. It was our secretary at work. He said the Donaldson's called you from Texas, and it's an emergency. They want to call. They want you to call them back at this number. The Donaldson's were our neighbors at the house, our huge house, our huge lake house that we just sold. And they wintered in Texas for six months, and they were just leaving to go to Texas, and the house was going to be empty. I'm like, well, we're staying at that house. What if I just stay there? So my wife puts like this huge bomb in their ear. They did bite me. You ever done that? Like, I'm just going to throw out a huge tent there, like, I'm just talking to them before they sell the house. So, by the way, uh, Jared's not going to take the world. And, uh, you know, he's just going to live wherever. And they're like, cool. Oh, that's the one. They're like, sweet. They didn't bite. Okay? They just got the test two weeks ago. Their house is empty. I called them. I said, what's going on? The gentleman answered. He said, we just got the test two weeks ago. Is that me? He said, the gentleman that, that, that house watches our house, for years, he was the only friend of ours, just died of a heart attack this morning out of nowhere. We're crushed that our friend died. But secondly, we're here till April, and we ain't coming back, and we have nobody to watch our house. Are you still, are you still kind of sleeping from pillar to pillar? But yeah. I just slept in the office, on the floor of my office for the last week. He goes, if you want to stay there, you can do that for as long as you can. You wouldn't believe what that moment did for me in my face because I was like, <laughs> maybe, just 
just maybe for a second, all those mistakes that I kept thinking about, maybe, maybe I wasn't supposed to do this. Just for a second. Maybe he is with me. And it was that faith-building moment in the wilderness that I needed. Your faith will grow in the wilderness. But you sometimes have to go there. It's not fun, but that's what eventually leads to renewal. I talked about refinement. I, I mean, just even a week and a half ago, like, I was just having a conversation with my wife, and she's like, she goes, you are so being refined. And I'm like, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. I'm kind of, I'm kind of this guy in the relationship. He's the, the steadfast. She's talking me off the cliff. Cliff. <laughs> Every other week, right? Because if I just, I have too much time myself. You know what I mean? That's like my biggest problem. The enemy knows that, by the way. By the way, if you ever have to go through a season where you're in the wilderness, just find on the end of having a because the Lord is trying to refine you, and that makes the enemy very upset. And the only way that he can stop it is to attack you. And the enemy knows him really well. I have a lot of alone time, and I've got to try to, up to 3 o'clock in the morning, I can get myself borderline spiritual if I think about it long enough. I'm kidding. And I talked to my good friend, who was the same guy who started the Bible study back at UND. I talked to him on the phone on Thursday, and I tell him all this stuff. He goes, you think the enemy is attacking you? I'm like, definitely. Definitely. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm, I'm neck deep in this stuff right now. But I've come to realize that I'm in the wilderness and I'm here for a reason. It's for renewal. It's for renewal, right? I'll leave you with, I'll leave you with this. Actually, before I get to my next point, uh, there was one scripture I was looking up when it comes to the wilderness. It's Isaiah 43. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. In the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. And as I was searching scriptures that involve wilderness, that one just like stepped on me. Yeah, yeah. And as I looked deeper and researched that scripture deeper, that scripture is repeated in every single one of the Gospels by John the Baptist. Every single one. I was like, if that one got repeated and made it into all four of the Gospels, that must be a pretty big deal. In the, in the wilderness is where you will lay down the foundation. It will, it will make your path straight. That's where your renewed is in the wilderness. I'll leave you at this point here. Um, the key to all of this, the key to all of this is obedience. The only way the last two years happened the way they happened is because my wife and I paid attention to that, that draw. We acted upon it. In fact, my wife and I had a conversation this week. We were just kind of talking about this stuff. And she said, you know, one of the things that... Uh, that I, that I realized is he said the reason Jesus was able to live such a sinless life wasn't because he was God. Well, he was. He's like, I just always thought like he was just able to live this life because he was God. Like, well, he was God, but he was also fully man. The reason he was able to do the things that he did on earth was because he was so obedient. See, the, the wilderness is also a place where you're going to find victory from sin. Okay, and I'm not going to go into the gory details, but there's something in my life, it's not pornography, something I stand before you, it, it wasn't that, but it, it was something just, it was just And there was something that was in my life long before I became a Christian. And it was something that had been in my life ever since I became a Christian. I've been a Christian now for 12, 15 years. And I've pretty much come to the, 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 the realm of reality that that is just going to be the way it is. It's going to be the way it is. And living in my old neighbor's house for those nine months through the winter, whatever it was, I actually found victory in that area. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. See, it's all about being obedient to that law 
What is it that God is drawing you into? That's the good part. The bad part is that you may be drawn into the wilderness. But the beautiful thing about the wilderness is that it's horrible, but it's wonderful at the same time. You know what I mean? It's like children. They're horrible, but they're great. Like this weird bounce. Like this. It puts you through the rain, but yet it's the most wonderful thing ever. Right? Has anybody ever been through the wilderness? Is it fun? It's not fun. It's not fun. But I can tell you is that if you need renewal, whether that's from a dark area or you just need a renewal because you're one of those people that was just like me, just rocking and rolling through life, living vicariously in the promised land, because by society standards, you're always in the promised land. That's true. But walking farther and farther away from God's presence, you need renewal. And so maybe, just maybe, the way that God is going to try to deliver you from that. Does that make sense? Like, what if God is reaching out to you and the way that He wants to deliver you is through the wilderness? That's crazy. That's crazy. If I was God, I'd be like, well, I just want to fix them. I, I, I can snap my fingers and fix them. But His thoughts are so far beyond my thoughts. Do you know that yet? If His thoughts are so far, I, I would never think to put Jared Suck him out of TV because I love him so much. He's sticking the world and shut him through the wilderness. But that's what, that's what, that's what's going to do it. That's what's going to put him on his, on, my, on his knees and draw him back to me and show him all these things. There's a sin in his life that I want to deliver him from. And the only way I can do it is through the wilderness. But you have to be obedient and listen to that call. Deal? I'll pray for you and then we'll get out of here. Thank you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these, for these people. I thank you for the opportunity to come here and share my story. Uh, thank you for finding me. Uh, I it's part of it is. I thank you for the wilderness. There's a song out there that thanks you for the wilderness. And I just pray that if anybody in here needs a renewal, that you would draw them in. You would draw them in. They would sense that drawing today. And I just pray that they would have the faith to act on them, to be obedient to that law. And I don't know if you're going to lead them to the wilderness or not, but if you do, be with them. Give them those, those, those moments where their faith is like, yes, I get it. Deliver them. Use a wilderness time to renew your people, to draw them back to you. And just thank you for how you interact with us and you build our faith in the way that you do it. Your thoughts are so far above our thoughts. I'm so thankful for that. We just praise you for that. And pray this in Jesus' name. Thank you guys. Appreciate it.